0: talk radio
1: Good morning and welcome to the Inclusive Class podcast where it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education through our interviews and discussions we hope to provide you with information and resources That will help you support the education of your child or student with special needs. This week, we begin a series of special podcasts aimed at providing you with tips, tools, and strategies to get your child successfully back to school. And we hope you enjoy them. My name is Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me
2: here this morning is my co host, Terry Morrow. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about specialneedsforabout.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open if you'd like to stop in and suggest a question. I'll try to work it in if we have time. Um, it's hard to get into the back-to-school mindset here, because we don't start for another three weeks, we start after Labor Day, and I know I need mm-hmm. to start getting it in gear, but we are doing a lot of going over to the college with my son, as I think I mentioned last week, and just walking around, helping him see where all his classes are going to be, and, and mm-hmm. get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we brought his buddy over, uh, so he could show his buddy where all his classes were, and, and he seemed to be able to charge on ahead and, and show where everything was, so I think that's a good sign. It's, it's interesting because his friend is is spending another year at, at high school, is going all the way until he ages out, which is absolutely the right thing for him, whereas yeah. leaving and, and trying, giving college a try, was absolutely the right thing for my son. And it really reinforces to me that, you know, it, it has to be an individual decision and you have to look at what's right for each kid. And also that if you've got a good inclusion program going, you know, it's really hard to stay. I, with, uh, you know, I don't know how you stay for three or four more extra years if you're in inclusion because you've been all with, you know, with the kids that are your right grade, right. and you just keep staying. You know, for the kids who are in self-contained, it's a lot easier because they can have their own sort of separate program. So right. I was doing a lot of reinforcing to his friend that that he was making a very smart decision for him and that he could always come here to the college and see his, you know, see my yeah. son. And, and be part of that experience too and maybe he'll get to feel like he wants to try it himself when he's finally out of high school. So, I guess that's right. been our little back to school activity for this week uh and you've had <laughs> had complete back to school immersion where you are, haven't you? Oh, yes, we are in. We are set. We are
1: moving forward. The kids are back. My daughter started middle school. My son is a wow. junior. And uh we're hoping that they both have a great year ahead.
2: So, yeah. It's, there's so much hope at this time of year, isn't there? Isn't there? <laughs> you can look ahead at that pristine stretch of months and think, this is yes. the year that there will yes.
1: be no problems. <laughs> yes, I know. Well,
2: and
1: you know, I, and I just keep reiterating, and so do you, Terry, that it's so important to be part of your child's education, you know, yeah. this day and age, just to be proactive and not rely completely on the school, uh, get in there, make contact with the teachers as soon as possible, make, you know, set up meet some meetings, discuss your child's background. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go on and on and on about it, because next week we're actually going to talk about that at the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we are going to talk about some specific strategies and tools, uh-huh. I guess, on how to get yes. your child back to school and uh, successfully emerged in yeah. the school settings. So... However, this week we are starting our first in a series of back-to-school programs with a topic that, of course, is very exciting and near and dear to our uh, show's hearts here. It's Making Inclusive Practices a Reality for Your School. And we have two wonderful guests from the Maryland Coalition of Inclusive Education to tell us how we can get inclusion working in schools. Please welcome to our show... Celine Almazan and Carol Quirk. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Good
1: morning. Now, before we get started with our interview, ladies, I'd like to give uh, the audience a bit of background about you and your organization. Both Celine and Carol work for the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education as co-executive directors, and together they have a long history of working to support the inclusion of children with special needs, which is in line with the MCIE's vision of a society where neighborhood schools welcome all students, engage them in learning, and form the Foundation for Inclusive Communities. And the MCIE serves and supports families and schools uh, in their goal for inclusion. Now, one of the ways that many people achieve some level of inclusion for their children is through an individual education plan. Now, ladies, can you tell us more specifically how parents can use the IEP process to help their child attend their neighborhood
0: school? Sure. Nicole, this is Celine. Um, Thank you for having us on the show. We've been looking forward to it. You're Um, welcome. um, I I believe it was you, Nicole, who said earlier um, during the introduction that it's important to be proactive, and I think that proactive parents can be um, very successful. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you can be proactive in um, participating in the um, IEP process is to be well informed. And what I tell families um, and when we support families um, in the IEP process, we um, I ask them to gather um, all kinds of um, uh, worksheets or tests that the child may have done the year before so that they have their own portfolio of um, all the strengths um, and um, some challenges that their child may present um, in the classroom, particularly in a general education classroom. So one of the ways that we start is look at um, the progress that the child made from the last year, um, looking at um, the present levels of performance that the school says the child is functioning at, look at um, quarterly progress, which parents are entitled to under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act on a quarterly basis um probe how those um, goals and objectives are measured um, and how um, uh, th- they measure progress. Again, looking at the portfolio of work that the, that the child may have produced last year. It's also really important if you're trying to get your child into a general education classroom in the neighborhood school for parents to do their homework and really look at what is the curriculum for first grade, you know, what is, what should a first grader um, know by the end of the year or by mid year, and what are those activities um, that uh, that you can um, work into an IEP or an IEP goal um, mm-hmm. that that um, shows that your child can work on the general education curriculum and make progress.
2: So it's really Where's all. I'm sorry. Where, where can the parent find that information? I always tried to find that, and it seemed to be very difficult. And none of the yeah. school people were too interested in sharing that. Is there someplace online? I know now that they've got the Common Core standards, yeah. those are getting a little bit easier to find. Yeah, what yeah. that's know, what I was going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In Maryland, we
0: we've always had the um, curriculum and the benchmarks for the curriculum online um and that it is difficult to find but um I would encourage people to look on their state department of education uh website and look for curriculum um uh goals that that should be on on uh state department of education websites it is going to be easier easier I agree Terry with the um common core uh that'll be more readily accessible
2: mm-hmm.
0: good so it it once again it's
1: just knowing as much as you can before you start to create an outline on how this child is going to be successfully included in the classroom and not relying necessarily on the school to have all of that information. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right.
0: That's right. And and the other thing is 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 that it's okay to um to disagree. Um it doesn't make you disagreeable but it's okay right. to have a difference of opinion about what your child is, is what you believe that your child is capable of doing you know you know your child best as a parent um we all do uh, we all know what 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 works for our for our children um outside of the classroom and so i believe that some of those strategies can be implemented in the classroom um you're supposed to start with the general education classroom placement as the presumption, as the presumptive mm-hmm. placement after exactly. you develop an IEP. So um, uh, don't be afraid to to disagree. And I know that it's difficult when there are so many people sitting at the IEP team table, yes. um, it, it, that is difficult. But um, as long as you do your homework, you can also become an expert Um, in curriculum, in in reading, math, methodologies, in how your child learns best. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes,
0: knowing how your child learns best is important. Now on the flip side, what
1: can schools do to increase their capacity to serve students with disabilities or special needs in their neighborhood schools?
3: Hi, Nicole, this is Carol, and um, I'll start with that question. You know, when schools want to increase the capacity um, to include students with disabilities, it really needs to be led by the school-based administrator. Um, Often we see teachers who want to um, increase the participation of their students who may uh, be removed from the general education for part of the time. And when it's up to the teacher, it it relies heavily on teacher-to-teacher personalities and relationships.
2: Mm -hmm. And that really
3: is not a systemic way or uh, an appropriate way to go about including students. So even with the best of intentions of individual teachers, you know, they may succeed in a year for a group of students, but what's school leadership really needs to um, have a thoughtful way of going about um, planning to uh, successfully include students with disabilities. And how that administrator can begin is by looking at um, three major areas, I think, um, in their school in terms of their staff capacity. Um, One is, the first is the instructional practices. And the question basically is, to what extent do teachers know and understand how to universally design their instruction and differentiate it for the different kinds of students who are in their classroom? Mm So this goes directly to the general educator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inclusion occurs in general education, and often um, when folks try to increase inclusive practices, they go in the special ed door, but yeah. that's not going to be long lasting. So, you know, to what extent are the general ed teachers practicing high quality um, instructional practices that really address a variety of learner needs? The second question is, um, what do folks understand about disability, which is both general and special ed? A lot Mm -hmm. of um, teacher prep programs, they may prepare teachers for uh, what we call high incidence or disabilities, frequently students with mild uh, disabilities or learning disabilities. Some may have a focus on sensory issues or autism or uh, developmental disabilities. But not all teachers get the same thing in their preparation program. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, the, what do teachers know and understand about disability is also two part. What do they know about th- that disability and how it impacts learning? Mm-hmm. But the other part is what is their attitude about disability? Do they see kids with disabilities as less? Or as needy, or right. as not deserving the same thing. So there's often, um, even with the most highly skilled teachers, if their attitude is that students with disabilities, especially those who may not uh, take the standard assessment, who may be on an, al- you know, take alternate assessment um, mm-hmm. exams, do those students uh, really, um, are, are they really valued in the same way as other students? Right. So instruction, disability, and then the third area is how behavior is un, um, understood and managed. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that a positive and a preventive approach to problem behavior is much more successful, especially in the long term, mm-hmm. than a reactive approach. Yeah. You know, our schools all have discipline policies, and if you look at them, the discipline is how you react when a student doesn't follow the rules bottom line. Yeah, but if yeah. if that is entirely the focus for not just kids with disabilities, but for all of us, if we're not looking at what are the triggers, what are the conditions that may lead to problem behavior, whether it's the physical environment, maybe the sensory environment for kids um, on the autism spectrum, whether it's um, anxiety or stress, or whether it's, uh, you know, self-esteem, what are those conditions that contribute to the problem behavior and address them first yeah. and um use a, uh, a strong reinforcement design for following the rules you know that's the best way to get at uh, preventing problem behavior from even happening to begin with
1: yeah exactly
3: so you know all of that is in the initial assessment of where do i need to start um and then you know i think the instructional leader in the school needs to think about how am i going to build capacity Um, Mm -hmm. Is it instruction? Is it behavior? Is it knowledge about disability? Is it an attitude toward uh, uh, students who are different? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, money is often seen as an issue. Time is an Mm -hmm. issue. But there really is a lot that a leader can do to engage their faculty just in the conversation. Once they start the conversation, teachers start talking to each other about it. There's a lot of ways you can disseminate information and engage in kind of a, a learning community within your school to move those things forward.
2: Yeah. yeah. And the, Great the, point. The principal completely sets the tone for the school and on how seriously everybody is going to take the issue. Absolutely. I know my kids went from one school where the the principal was just very ticked off by the whole idea of inclusion. She was okay having the special ed kids, and you trot them out twice a year and say, oh, look how good we are to our special ed kids, and then they went back to their hallway, and that was it. Whereas mm-hmm. the school they went to after that, the, the principal was very, very serious about really including them in a meaningful way. So, um, But, of course, then above the principal you have the district, and the district has to be devoted to it inclusion as well and to take it seriously. Uh, what are the sorts of things that local school districts can do to increase uh, uh, service to students with disabilities in their neighborhood schools?
3: Well, um, you know, that's the, the answer to that is very similar in that it comes back to leadership. Um, just like in the school building where the administrator's vision and how they um, proceed to try to achieve a vision is uh, mm-hmm. similar in that in a district, you really need to look at the superintendent and the associate or assistant superintendent for instruction they may have different titles in different school districts it may be executive director or supervisor but the general curriculum person um, who leads the curriculum and instruction efforts in a a school district is extremely important if they value um, students with disabilities as members of the full-school community Mm-hmm. And if they understand that when you improve instruction for students with disabilities, you improve instruction for everybody, exactly. that kind of leadership mm-hmm. will have a direct impact on the delivery of special ed services and the extent to which schools are going to be willing to have those um children as members you know of their neighborhood schools
0: mm-hmm. yeah also um it, it parents have a role in pushing. Um, school districts to increase their capacity by um, looking at achievement data um, and looking at the disparity um, among um, children of color, African-American or Latino students, um, particularly those students who are in self-contained special education classrooms where we know across the country are disproportionately children of color, particularly African-American students. Um, Looking at the, the data and the achievement data um, in those classrooms and asking those hard questions, how can it be that these students are so far below um, other children who are accessing the general education curriculum and getting access to high-quality teachers? Um, uh-huh. Asking those questions and, and organizing around those qu- those issues, um, schools. Um, um, particularly in Maryland, are very data-driven, achievement-driven, and I think that that's important. To um, that's an important tool that parents and community members can utilize in order to um, um, uh, force the conversation or start a conversation with school districts about increasing their capacity. Because, as Carol was saying, um, all students benefit um, from having children with disabilities um, and, and benefit from uh, high-quality teaching as well.
3: You know, Celine, that's a really good point. Um, In one of the school districts that MCIE has worked in on a systemic basis, we began that work um, looking at increasing the inclusion of students with disabilities specifically. And while um, as we progressed in that journey um, successfully, what was interesting is that at the district level administration, um, they began asking themselves, why are we only looking at students with disabilities? If we're talking about... Inclusion and membership and achievement for all students, we really need to look at everything on a more holistic basis
0: mm-hmm. all of the right. population. really it really comes down to equity and justice for mm-hmm. all kids mm-hmm. so, yeah, great
3: Excellent. so you know at a district level, if you're looking at um increasing capacity district wide um a district can pretty much assume that there's going to be opposition and that opposition is usually based on fears of change, um, Mm -hmm. fear that the students with disabilities won't actually get the services they used to get in self-contained classes, mm -hmm. fear on the part of the general community that students with disabilities um, in general classes will pull down the curriculum, um, fears of parents that it will have a negative impact on their child, fear of bullying, fear of low self esteem. There's a lot right. of fears that go along with it. For teachers, fear that they won't be competent enough to do yeah. the job mm-hmm. well. I mean, teachers want to be good teachers, they don't want to feel right. like they're not succeeding. So, you know, districts really need to um, be clear about what their vision is and communicate that vision repeatedly don 't need to connect with the community, they need to listen to the families. they need to listen well enough to understand what those concerns are based in if they express concerns and be careful to address them in their change process and they have to nurture their staff um, to increase their practice so they have more self confidence um, and are successful ultimately with all of the students that they have mm-hmm. so a lot of the the effort. Um, that a district has to do is really about personnel management relationships and nurturing the mm-hmm. other area is resources um, districts often operate in silos they'll have title one funds they'll have special ed funds they'll yeah. have a, some kind yeah. of special project funds they'll have curriculum funds and for many of these funding sources there's no prohibition to using them together to achieve a common goal so, looking at um, how they're labeling staff, how they're allocating resources, how they can use them collectively for all children instead of in an isolated manner is really important.
2: Excellent. Great. I know we've talked a lot about uh, the kind of the, the teachers don't get the training they need to do inclusion and to do good behavior management and all of that. Sort of thing. What types of training do you recommend that teachers need to include students, and what are some teaching strategies that they need to know about?
3: Well, you know, the uh, we do a lot of professional development in schools, um, in many school districts, and sometimes in individual school buildings. And I can give you that there's a common set of themes that are frequently addressed. Um, the first is differentiating instruction: how to use mm-hmm. um, strategies um, and you Online, there is a ton of information. Um, In Maryland, we have um, a website that was designed by our um, Maryland State Department of Education called Learning Links, Um, Mm -hmm. paulacluth.com. If anyone has not seen her website, it is full of a lot of information on differentiation. But there really is a lot of information out there. Um, At the district level, if they're looking at universally designed curriculum, that provides a basis for school-based staff, or teachers, to begin creating their lessons that are automatically more available to a, more, a wider variety of students. But really looking at more creative, interactive strategies for the classroom is, is really the first one. The second, um, and I think this has surprised me because I just had higher expectations, but there are a lot of teachers who are, really need help in classroom management. And it's taking that preventive approach to problem behavior right to the classroom level and looking at the extent to which it's chaotic versus structured, um, the number of positive remarks they make to students versus corrective and reactive remarks. So a whole classroom management structure structure that is um, structured for students so they know what the expectations are and positive so that they're reinforced for the... Uh, For those uh, expectations, the third area has to do with um, teacher collaboration. Whether it's um, how, when you sit down together, do you spend 30 minutes effectively and efficiently, and come out Mm -hmm. with a product? (laughs) Do how do you relate in the classroom if you're both teachers? Um, And it's not just co-teaching. We do a lot of training on the co-teaching relationship and different Mm -hmm. co-teaching structures, but. Sometimes um, co-teaching is not the best delivery model. Sometimes it's a collaborative planning relationship. Sometimes um, it's a more consultative relationship. So understanding mm-hmm. um, that and how to make that work based on different personalities, again, mm-hmm. um, is really important.
0: I also think that um, oftentimes in IEP meetings and um other meetings um, where we're talking about a child with a, with disabilities and perhaps significant support needs being placed in the general education classrooms, um, teachers uh, understandably um, get very um, um, nervous um, because it is so far out of what they typically do and normally do, mm-hmm. so I think it's important um, again, Carol was talking about a supportive Environment and nurturing your teachers. There's that. Um, there's also having a good administrator. But there's also um, looking at ways um, to provide coaching to teachers. Um, it's okay to make mistakes um, as long as um, you're moving toward the same goal. So I think that it's it's. I think that sometimes teachers become afraid um, of making a, what they think is a mistake. There is all kinds of information out there now in the age of the Internet, and um, mm-hmm. I know that lots of times parents talk about training, 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 and mm-hmm. a full day of training um, for a group of teachers is not going to give them all the tools that they need in order right. to successfully um, include a child with a disability in their classroom so that the instruction that they that they receive is meaningful for that child and they're not just sitting in the corner with a one-to-one instructional assistant sort of doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, uh, So, you know, incorporating all these things that Carol has talked about, differentiated instruction, uh, universal design for learning, all of those things um, um, are all tools that teachers can can use um, so that children can be successful in the classroom. And remember that children with disabilities do not necessarily have to keep pace with the, the the curriculum that the other third graders or fourth graders or fifth graders or whatever graders are using, mm-hmm. um, as long as they're making progress on their IEP goals and able to access the general education curriculum, um, that's what's really important um, for kids.
2: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Is there ever any sort of of training or just you know instructional uh, uh, workshops for parents to inform them of how inclusive classrooms are supposed to work? I see a lot of um, special ed parents, and I actually was one of them, who were extremely resistant to inclusion for their kids because they just can't see how their child could get the same sort of you know intensive education in a regular classroom than in a self-contained. The the special ed teachers who we trust and talk to all the time, a lot of them have big reservations. I I would love to be able to sit down with a group of parents and say, hey, this is how differentiated instruction works. This is how your child would get an education in the classroom. These are the benefits of it um, to kind of get them more on board. And also for regular education parents to have them see, hey, you know, if you really learn about differentiated instruction, you can see how it's going to be good for everybody um but that seems to be a piece where there's no organized instruction at all. Yeah. Do you ever have any programs like uh, like that or had, do you think that's something that's needed? Uh
3: this is Carol and um yeah, I do think that's something that's very needed. Um we uh, have a couple of workshops a year that are open to everybody um you know in who in and out of Maryland. Um mm-hmm. and they're uh, pretty reasonably priced and the majority of people who attend generally are special ed teachers first i mean special ed first general ed second and then parents um mm-hmm. but those you know those are some opportunities um there's also a national organization um CASH, TASH T A S H they have an annual conference and disseminate information and have webinars and there's the Peak Parent Center in Colorado which does a really fabulous um annual conference in usually January February time period um you know, but I'm talking about a few things that are available within states. I don't think there is anywhere near enough information out there for parents to get. Do you, Celine? Yeah.
2: Oh, oh. unfortunately, there is our school bell, which means we need to stop talking, even though we could all probably go on with this for quite a bit longer. <laughs> Wonderful information. And it's such a great and important information. What is what is your website for if readers want to find it, listeners? Sorry. Um, Our website is uh,
3: www.mcie.org.
2: Okay. Well, thank you both for being our guests today. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Uh, You can find the MCIE on Facebook and on Twitter at MCIE underscore INC. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at at momitude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. And Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class. Uh, you can find archives to our past shows on my blog at www.mamatude.blogspot.com. Uh, join us again next Friday at 9 a.m. on the Inclusive Class Podcast for our second Back to School special, which is just going to be Nicole and I sitting around talking about our tips and strategies to help your child successfully transition back into the classroom. Uh, our show is now available on Stitcher and on iTunes as a podcast for free download. so please check that out. Uh, Goodbye to everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.